0: From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. We are excited once more to be with you, and I have some worthless servants along with me. So, to my left, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. Across from me, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. Surprised her a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) In between the two of them, AJ Fry. Hey, guys. And his wonderful wife, to my right, Chelsea Fry.
2: Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, fireflies light up to attract a mate, and it's due to a specialized cell in their abdomen. That's what makes them light up.
0: So could we
3: take the cell out of the firefly and put it into something else so that something else would light up? I
2: think that's called a glow stick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> With all the
2: genetic engineering happening, that's, it's got to be
3: possible.
0: That's how the glow sticks were invented. <laughs> it's
2: specifically the inactive molecule called oxyluciferin.
1: Lucifer? That,
2: that sounds like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> fireflies are the devil.
1: <laughs> oh, my word.
2: Oh, but this is why I brought this. I need to know, do you call them fireflies or lightning bugs? Ooh,
1: interesting. Oh. So... More common where I grew up was lightning bugs.
2: Same. Me too. No, so. we call it
4: Luciernaga. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. <There's>
1: just one, <laughs> so just it's one been, word in Spanish. Yeah, been. do
4: they
3: exist here in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, I killed one the other night. I've I, seen, I've really, seen okay. yeah, an accident. Maybe yes, just because we're here in the city. I don't really yeah. see them, so I always...
0: Too much light pollution in the city. Yeah. yeah. What
3: do
2: you call calling them?
0: them? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I I've called them both. At any given time in my life, I think I was interchangeable between Firefly. It's because AJ grew up in Kansas,
2: bug. but when we went back to the states, he got an Arkansas driver's license, so mm. now he's a dual citizen. <laughs> well, you <laughs> he's
0: you call him dual citizen of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> I don't
2: think it that. does if you're in my mom's sixth grade social studies class. Oh right.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Well, we have the habit as worthless servants to every now and then, usually about every five, six uh, episodes, to dive into a passage. And so we're gonna kind of talk about a passage that deals with mission and church and a whole lot more. I'm excited to hear what you guys think about Isaiah 61, one to three. Let's dive in. There's people that are listening right now. And so Emily, would you just read that from the NIV?
3: Yes, I'm gonna read the NIV. and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Thanks be to God.
1: Yeah, I was Amen. just going to say, we almost have to just say, yes. <laughs> it after gives me that. chills. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. This is amazing. So uh, we know that Isaiah, uh, especially the last uh, chapters, he is just proclaiming, in fact, I think says in some of our Bibles, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor or is the title, you know? And so he is transitioning from judgment in much of Isaiah,
3: praise God for the transition <laughs> yes,
1: yes, to proclaiming hope. Uh, and this is, we should note this was later used in Luke by Jesus to say, this is being fulfilled uh, in the Messiah, in his person. But before we even get to that, what do you guys
0: notice in these three verses? I think something that I noticed the several action words, uh, that he used in here. The first one I noticed was proclaim. He says proclaim a couple times, um, proclaim freedom, proclaim the year of the Lord, proclaim good news. And so whenever I see this word proclaim, like that always catches my attention. We call that in today's language, like preaching, right? And I've done a couple different word studies just on my own because I was curious what the difference between like preaching and teaching is. And preaching to me is the same as proclaim. And that like you are declaring, you are speaking out, uh, in this case, the good news, the, the freedom of the captors, you know, this is a fact, you know, there's, there's not really much to discuss here. This is how it is, you know? So that's one thing that I noticed And another, another couple words were set free. So these are actions that we're doing right. Or yeah, that we're doing is proclaiming set free, um, comfort, provide for. And this last one kind of caught me off guard was bestow on. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember the last time I bestowed anything on anybody, but I'm pretty sure I've never done that. So <laughs> um, um, just, these, just these action words catch my attention because if we use this scripture as what Christ was supposed to do like his job description maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later but also then in 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 turn we as followers of Christ are supposed to do is proclaim set people free which just i mean that just if you're set free i, I think about my own testimony i was set free from addiction from from darkness and just just that is so i don't mean to be repetitive but liberating you know like this just so I don't know, so deep. It just fills me with joy to be set free from that. To comfort. I think that's one of the things that I'm not particularly good at is expressing my compassion to people. It's not that I don't have compassion. It's just expressing that to them. And I think there are certain times in in our life and in the church's life where that is required. I think of like a funeral, for example, like that's expected, right? To give comfort. But there are so many broken people, so many people that are hurting that we we can see it, but we don't want to acknowledge it. And sometimes we don't even see it, but our job is to comfort as well, to provide for. That's another one that I think the church is getting better at doing, um, but not a whole lot that I that I see just like a second nature, just providing for somebody. You know, we talked a couple episodes about, uh, how the mission without limits, some of the people in Mexico just provided shoes for the, for the street vendors. Right. And that's what I think of to provide for is what are people's needs? How can we, how can we provide for them? Who, who is not being provided for and how can we step in there? And this last one I I mentioned, it kind of caught me off guard and I, I don't know how to react to it. Is this bestow on like, what is, what does this say here? Um, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning praise, instead of despair. And I, I, again, I don't know how to react on that. Like what, how do you, I'm asking you guys, how do you bestow something? Like what is, what is that implication for our lives?
1: In Spanish, it just says give. Um, which, which isn't as powerful. I feel like uh, to bestow almost mean to me really communicates this. Now you have this, you know, Mm. in in fact, it starts out with a crown. Well, no one just kind of like, is like, Oh, open up the present and Oh, it's a crown. Oh, you know, (laughs) or, or Hey, found this. I want you to have it. You know, I mean, when you give a crown, you are truly saying I am giving this to you. I am putting this on you. This is, there's some change occurring that's significant instead of just, Hey, I'm giving you something that I just found.
2: It's like in our, our last episode that we talked about keychain leadership, it's handing over the key with the expectation that they're going to take it (laughs) and and keep it.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, Yeah. I think from, from what you guys have said, that makes me think of it like more of, more of this walking alongside to them at, at the beginning, but like this empower me, this empowering, this empowerment thing. That's good. The the second thing I want to touch on r- real quickly is like the subjects of these actions. Mm. Like we do these actions. Yes. But, but for who, you know, and it says the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners or captives, uh, especially of darkness, uh, those who mourn. And I think about my, my personal life, how often I interact with those types of people, you know, how often do I interact with the poor? Well, in, in the neighborhood that we live in, you can see them all over the place. When you drive down the street, you can, you you can notice that these people don't have as much as I have, you know, and, but do I interact with these people? Probably not as much as I should. The brokenhearted, to be honest, I kind of shy away from the brokenhearted because again, I don't know how to react to them. I don't know how to comfort them um the prisoners or captives this always interested me because i've never visited anybody in prison or in jail this uh, this also makes the distinction of like those, those captive to darkness to sin and again i think that's not something that i shy away from as much but it's it's something to honestly that i i don't seek out like i don't seek out these people like to talk about people's how they're living in sin you know and then those who mourn, again, because I'm not good at showing my compassion, I kind of shy away from those people. And so for me personally, like these are the things I'm supposed to do, but to this, these people, I just really captured my attention and kind of made me think, how can I be more intentional about, about my actions, about what I'm proclaiming, who I'm setting free, comforting, providing for, bestowing on the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners and those who mourn.
1: Well, we have to put ourselves in those situations, right? Like, right. like it doesn't say you're going to do this to the well-to-do, uh, yeah. to the rich, to the influencers, to, you know, we could continue going on. It's saying you have to seek out those who grieve, those who mourn the broken hearted, the prisoners, the captives, uh, we're not used to doing that. Um, yeah. we're used to literally getting as far away from those people as possible. They make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They could be even dangerous thinking of prisoners you think of you know and and so this is countercultural this yeah. is radical this is yeah. like whoa this is great this gives us chills this brings hope but it's also like okay what does that look like in our own personal lives and i'm glad you've taken us there a little bit
3: yeah i think um just tacking on to what aj was thinking about um in verse 3 it's definitely something that i God has allowed us to see as the church. And um, one thing to not forget is that Isaiah is literally saying this as prophecy. This is something that um, he sees. And uh, even the year of the Lord's favor, like when we think about Jesus standing up in the assembly and grabbing this scroll from Isaiah, like he intentionally grabbed this scroll from Isaiah, right? Because he knows that the people that are there in the synagogue that are listening that day probably have a memorized word for word because this is the year of the Lord's favor. We are going to know when God is here with us as Messiah, when this happens and they know it and they have taught their kids it for a long time. And so Jesus takes this scroll and he says that it has been completed in your presence. You know, today you, you see the completion of this prophecy and, um, he doesn't use this side of it though, right? Like he, he almost like cuts it a little short, but I think the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment Mm -hmm. of praise instead of a spirit of despair, uh, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. To me, I think, I don't know if you guys have heard much about, um, there's a lot of theology now that just talks about the upside down kingdom Mm -hmm. and uh, how we in this world live in a kingdom, but Christ. Christ's kingdom is should look upside down. Like when we're living according to biblical principles, when Jesus is our teacher, when we understand his teachings in our lives, our life is going to look upside down. And so literally like right now, I can imagine people right now, today, as we're recording, that they feel like all they have is ashes. And it could literally be the cremated ashes of a husband, because in this time of COVID, we can't even bury our people because they're being forced. And so it might be that people are like, all I have is ashes. All I'm doing is mourning. Like, I can't get out of this period of mourning. I have a spirit of despair. Like when I read that, that spirit of despair, it's just like, I don't know about you guys, but it like provokes this heaviness Mm -hmm. of like, just I cannot get out of it. But what does Jesus say he comes to do? You know, like this is what the world gives, friends. And, and maybe this is the first time that you're hearing it. But the world gives us ashes. The world gives us mourning. The world gives us a spirit, a spirit of despair. But what Jesus gives us is a crown of beauty. Mm-hmm what he gives us is oil of joy and what he gives us is a garment of praise. And I think mm-hmm. those things, if we can truly start digging into Jesus's teachings, if we really want to know, okay, well, if all I can see is ashes and despair and mourning around me, and that's literally what my life is. If that's all we can say that our life is, then we have to dig into how Jesus says, live according to my kingdom rules. Then stop worrying and pray more. Pray without ceasing, start giving more to the poor, start doing all of the things that are like countercultural, right? Because that's how we're going to find these things that Jesus offers us. And I think it's so opportune for this moment in time that we're living, that the church understands that the world offers different things. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We know that to be truth. But the gift of God is eternal life. Mm. And those are the two opposites. Those are the juxtapositions. And so as the church, as Jesus came to declare these things, we, the church, as well, living confidence and declare these things that we are living in the oil of joy, that we are wearing this beautiful crown instead of ashes, that we throw on the garment of praise. And I think that one is my very favorite I'm going to throw on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. When I can feel that despair that's just coming, there's no way out. Everybody is sick and everybody's dying and we're all in lockdown and we don't know what else to do with ourselves. What does Jesus say to do? throw on a garment of praise? When you feel that put on some music, put yourself in a position where you can praise the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is and what he's done for us. And I can tell you that spirit of despair cannot exist in the same environment mm-hmm. as a spirit of praise. And I just think it's it's an amazing passage to be living into in 2021. I think if the church can grab it and live into it, it can give us the encouragement that we need, especially today.
1: Yeah, he is a specialist in bringing beauty to ashes. That's, that's the one that's showed oh, up in songs, and that's the one that we kind of know a little bit more. But it's shown up in our lives. Like he's made something out of us. And in times of sadness and despair, he has made something beautiful out of it. In times of separation or loss, he has somehow found the way to make something beautiful out of it. And um, I didn't think coming into here we were going to focus on that word bestow. (laughs) But it is almost like you know, I have this crown for you. It's a crown of joy, or a, what does it say? A crown of beauty, sorry. So it's that instead of, which is, uh, of course, I have this crown ready for you, but you must give me those ashes. I have this oil of gladness, but you must give me this morning. I will bestow this, but the, in the giving, the bestowing of this, you must give me something in return. And of course, I think any of us would be willing to, to give all of these things right Mm -hmm. to give all of all of the what we have seen in in verse three i guess i would just transition and some of you have already gone there a little bit what does this have to say to the church today in in the mesoamerica region or around the world i mean how are we doing if this is we've talked about luke Chapter four, he says, this is my job description, what I came to do. Mm-hmm. And if we're supposed to be like Christ, how are we doing? How are we doing it? all of these things? Proclaiming and freeing, releasing and comforting and, and uh, providing and exchanging joy and gladness and beauty for ashes and despair.
2: Well, for me, I... <laughs> I am immediately confronted with the racial tension in the world, and I know that is a deep um, subject, and we're probably not going to have enough time to do it justice on this podcast right now, but man, it has brought out the ugliness in us mm-hmm. as the church, and I'm going to get emotional about this because I've been met with some, some hard truths about where I stand and about the people that surround me. And I believe in this scripture. I believe it is the word of God. And so I believe that I have the power to proclaim the year of the Lord. Mm. I have the power to free captives, captives in prison, and captives to sin, people who think they're free but are totally blind. I have the power to set them free and I have the power to bind up the brokenhearted and give them joy. Like we've talked about this whole thing is the church has the power to bring goodness and God's faithfulness to broken, broken people. And I would get on Facebook and I see her doing the opposite.
0: Hmm.
2: And I say her very general. I know that there are people fighting, fighting for their voices to be heard on the side of racial injustice and, and death penalty that is unfair and unjust and so many other things that, the church should be occupied with and is not. And instead we're focusing on the fact that we have to close our doors because there's an ugly pandemic outside. And how dare we not have an in-person service? Mm-hmm. It just seems like we've focused on the wrong thing. And so I want to specifically call out, we we have in the Nazarene denomination, people who are fighting this, who believe this scripture to be true and are speaking on it. They are the, the, the prophets. Emily said to me one time that prophets aren't liked. They aren't people that we, in their time, they're not people that are worshiped. (laughs) They're not people that are listened to well. And so as I look at our own denomination, I see, voices and people in the woodwork that are these voices of truth and goodness. And they are speaking words that are powerful and see the beauty in humanity and see the redemption that God has offered us. And they're extending it to the people that some deem unworthy. And I don't know really where I'm going with this, but when you brought this uh, scripture to us, that's um, immediately where the Lord took my heart. And so I felt it unright to not talk about this today. But I think about our Caribbean island specifically. And Dario brought to us on our race episode the fact that we, we haven't done a good job. We haven't done a good job I just, that, that phrase, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, I want to do better for that. Mm. I want to look at my brothers and sisters of a different skin color and say, I am so sorry. And I, I feel your pain. I don't feel it myself, but I can't imagine. And... I have something for you. I have the year of the Lord's favor declared for you. I have this this garment of praise and I have this oil of joy. I just love that because I love that because the other day I was messing with this candle that's a soy oil candle and I got a little bit on my hand and it got everywhere. Like literally it was on door handles. It was on my on my dresser, it was on my mirror, it was everywhere. And I just think this oil of joy, it can spread, it can multiply. <laughs> mm. This is what we need to be occupied with. This needs to consume all of our time.
1: And I think it's more, it needs to be more than words at this point, you yeah. know, right yeah. now. And I think it needs to be through our actions. And, uh, I like this verse three, that it starts to move from the proclaiming, which the words are super important. The announcing, the preaching, the proclaiming, the declaring of good news. And also this other part is super important as well. Now we are through our actions, uh, providing a garment like that could be super literal, like people that don't necessarily, that are in despair and impoverished, you know, that don't have much clothing that we would give clothing.
4: That was so good, Chelsea. Thank you for sharing that. And I think this is not only a mission they were entrusted during that time, those days, but we're also entrust to that mission now and forever. Like, it won't finish. And something that really caught my attention was that previously the anointed one were those entrust to the mission, like the prophets, the kings. And for me, the first verse sounds like because I also been trust you to a mission. The Holy Spirit is upon you. Mm. I felt like Isaiah was saying that. And I feel like the same for us. Because we are entrusted to the mission. The Holy Spirit is with us to do all of this. To preach the good news. To band up the broken heart, To proclaim freedom. And to keep doing the good work. And I think it's something we need to do every single day.
3: Yeah. And I think I think that's great, Natalie, because one thing that even as you're talking about anointing, if you think about the um, the stories of anointing that we have in the Old Testament, more often than not, a king or a prophet is anointed, but they don't start that process right away like David was anointed much before he became king, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've received this anointing, the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And I would even take it a step further of, so we've received the anointing well beforehand. We know that we've talked about that the Holy Spirit is upon us already as the church, and now is the time to get into action. So like, Mm -hmm. we don't have to wait For the anointing anymore, we don't have to wait for somebody to say, "Hey, here's the mission." Like we've received it, Mm -hmm. and it is time to start using this as kind of like our checklist of what are we doing in mission. Then, if we're not doing any of these things, then we're probably lacking in some areas (laughs) as the church. We need to be able to use this as a pretty decent metric, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think the church has, uh, like, pretty gotten gotten down to the point of getting the proclaiming and their preaching kind of down maybe so much to like a fault almost like that's our go-to that's the first thing we go to you know we must preach Mm -hmm. you know we must proclaim and we've kind of set aside these other aspects of of this verse i think we're getting better at like providing for people and like comforting people we still have a long way to go Mm -hmm. a long way to go and i think another area that we can improve upon is this bestowing on aspect or this this setting free. I think those are largely untapped and maybe not even talked about areas. Um, If we're taking this passage as our, like our guidebook, our job description, I would say those areas are are the most that we need to improve upon, that we have room to improve upon.
1: Even as I'm reading this text and you're talking, AJ, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of what we do is we mobilize youth and the church to proclaim. And the mission is explained in like sharing the good news. And I guess what I'm saying is I think I usually envision that as speaking. I usually envision Mm. that as saying something to someone, Mm. but I think I can become more holistic in my ministry. I'm not in charge of compassionate ministries. I'm not a doctor, uh, necessarily like I'm thinking of specific leaders of compassionate ministries that we have in our region that are medical doctors and they just, uh, are completely engrossed in what it means to just help people, uh, and heal people. And that doesn't mean I leave that to them. I can be a part of the work of helping prisoners and Uh, the hurting. And it's not just about the telling of the good news on the other side. I think, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to err on the side of just, Hey, you know, just meet different people's needs, but never tell them good news. Sure. (laughs) You know, it's a complete package. So I think these three verses together are super important.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like how I wasn't going to bring this up, but I like how everything we've talked about kind of wraps it up at the end, at the end of verse three when it says they will be called mighty oaks or they will be called oaks of righteousness. And I love that. Like if we are to take on this responsibility, these, this job description as our job description as a church, like they will make us an oak of righteousness. And when I hear this word oak, I think of this mighty oak tree, this huge, strong, like solid tree, right? That is unshakable, this unshakable unshakable faith and you know full of wisdom but that oak tree like didn't get there in a day right or even a year it takes time and i understand that we can't just take this passage and say okay that's it we've got it you know this is this is how we've got to do it it takes time it took time and patience for this tree for an oak tree to grow and become strong become wise like it doesn't just come from one revival service or one service project or even one time volunteering with the homeless or at the soup kitchen or whatever, or one visit to the prison or giving a Hallmark card to the grieving widow. You know, this takes, it takes investment and it takes intentionality. Something we've said over and over again in this podcast is we need to be intentional about these things and we have to invest in others.
3: These Oaks are literally the broken hearted. These Oaks are literally the captives that have been set free. These Oaks are literally the people that are mourning and grieving that have found joy and that have found the crown of beauty and that have found the garment of praise. And I think that Mm. is the mission. Like that's Mm. the gospel, right? (laughs) Of like, so the Oaks, all of this is starts in, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and ends with, and all of these people will be called Oaks of Righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I would say, as a challenge, if you are a member of the church of the Nazarene, if you want to dig back into our history in the early 1900s, Phineas F. Brizzy literally started our denomination to fulfill these words Mm. because he Mm -hmm. did not see a church that was reaching out to the marginalized. Mm -hmm. He did not see a church that was binding up the brokenhearted. He did not see a church that was grieving with those that were grieving that 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 showed how to have crown of beauty and oil of joy and a garment of praise to the marginalized. And that is a part of our history. And it's a part that I hope that we begin to proclaim and reclaim in certain instances, but um, that that's who we are. That's who we are as Nazarenes. We have a space for the poor. We have a space for the brokenhearted. We have a space for the captives. Mm -hmm. We have a space for the prisoners. They find Jesus in the church of the Nazarene. Mm. And if these people are not finding Jesus in the church of the Nazarene, shame on us, Mm. shame on us, Mm. because that is why we exist. That is why God, I believe has allowed us to, to flourish in this world because these people need a space in his church. And as the church of the Nazarene, we need to speak the year of the Lord's favor every single day.
1: I think I'm feeling led to, Read just these verses from Luke. We've referred to them, but here's exactly what it says in Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Now that's interesting because I always thought he selected it, and he might have asked for that one, but it was handed to him unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So it seems like he was handed Isaiah, but he went to that. (laughs) He said, okay, if I get any, any place in Isaiah, this is the one I'm going for. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing now what later occurs and you can read along is that was just the start of his message and the rest of his message the people did not like they were fascinated. Uh, they loved what he at first was saying, but later this ends with them ready to stone him or throw him off a cliff. What happened? What was the change? He essentially was saying, and I have heard it in this conversation. I've heard it from Chelsea. I've heard it from Emily. He essentially was saying, so that means you're not God's favorite. Mm. You're not the one that just is the special person to the exclusion of other people. Let me say it that way. We are all his special children. Absolutely. But you know what? You are not better than anyone. You have been called to a greater purpose than your comfort. And then you just staying with your own people in your own affluence. And that message can get you killed. And it got him killed. Mm -hmm. And, um, today we may receive persecution for it. We may receive, Uh, We may not be popular, but we must, we must, as the church, proclaim these words with our mouth and with our lives. My goodness, Um, if there are people that would like, that, that have heard the cry of our hearts, that have heard this discussion, and would like to get a hold of us. Emily, where can they do that?
3: You can find us on our Facebook page at the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org using the podcast tab. Um, And if you want to listen to other episodes, just like this one, there are quite a few now that are scripture spotlights they're called, and you can find them on Spotify.
1: That's right. We hope that these looks into scripture will help just, I, I, I hope you don't just, stop listening to this and say, that was neat. I pray that you go to these passages, Isaiah 61, Luke four, and you start to say, Lord, teach me, mold me, shape me, change me. We're on that journey as well with you. And so we are the Worthless Servants. I'm Scott Armstrong.
0: I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily
3: Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry.
1: And we will talk with you next time.
0: For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.